welcome to episode 28 of Twin Cities Trekkies. I am Wes. And I'm Kenzie. And today we're talking about uh, time travel. Um, oh, very, very intense. That's probably my favorite thing about Star Trek is all of the the science fancy time traveling explanations that they have for time traveling in the show. Yeah, and it's different methods they use to, to try and travel too. Yeah, uh, that's... Very exciting. Yep, yep. So uh, to get in touch with us is simple. Simply send us an email at tctrekkiespodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send us an email. Granted, if you have an opinion about um, time travel, let us know. If you don't like it or it's stupid or whatever. Because <laughs> I know William Shatner called it stupid when they were trying to do Voyage Home. So. <laughs> <laughs> So I I remember this I remember the interview he did for like a DVD or something like that about Voyage Home. He said that uh, he thought it was really dumb. So oh, oh pish tosh. Uh, yeah, so, I'm like ah, keep your opinions to yourself, Kirk. Yeah, yeah. So, but also you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. The handle is TC Trekkies Pod, or uh, and and then stuff like that. Um, find us on YouTube. If you want to leave a comment there, that's perfectly fine. Tune Trekkies Trekkies is pretty easy to find. Um, if you do find us on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Hit the bell. Um, I know you have subscribed there, Kenzie. I know you have. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, Always. totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, granted, we have like eight subscribers, and it's it's okay. But, yeah, but, I mean, we would like to have a lot more, obviously, eventually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's pretty uh, Just got to find ways to promote it. I think that's the hardest thing is, like, promoting things without seeming like you're promoting it. Like, I just like to share it and be like, hey, check it out. Or finding ways to include people in conversation more. I think that's kind of the big thing of like, how do we keep conversation rolling? Like, even if you don't listen to it, like asking questions, like being like, hey, tell us what you think about this. Yeah, tell us what you think about this and we'll definitely answer your question. Yeah, and that's if you put on a comment on Facebook or on Instagram or on uh, email, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. And also, if you have a, a podcast of your own, if you're listening to us and you podcast yourself, you can send us a 30 to 60 second promo and send it to us at the, the email address of tctrekkiespodcast at gmail.com. And I also neglected to mention this on episode 27. You can also send us voice messages. Go to anchor.fm slash Twin Cities Trekkies. Click on that little message button. Enable your microphone and, re- <laughs> start, record, and, and start recording. And, and I'll grant it, if you do a whole hour, we'll dedicate it to you. Um, we'll obviously break it up and react to what you have to say and but other than that but just keep in mind you, any feedback you do leave uh written or verbal may be featured in a future episode of twin cities trekkies Did you know that there are over 1 million podcasts out there and over 30 million episodes? So why should you listen to Pod Jerky? Well, we have a little bit of something for everyone. We discuss topics such as fertility, pet peeves, Netflix reviews, music, conspiracy theories, and everything in between. We will entertain you, make you laugh, and make you cry. Our amazing guests are also sure to put a smile on your face. Tune in every week to Pod Jerky on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. Pod Jerky, bringing you original flavor.
so we should talk about the news. Uh, yeah. We, we, we didn't do that in episode 27 because we know we had a time, we had a, like, kind of a time commitment with our with our guest. Very exciting uh, guest, yes. Yep, Dr. Burke Birko Katarina Ruzdika <laughs> from Germany. And that was, and we had a great conversation. So if you haven't listened to episode 27 yet, I hope you do enjoy it. <laughs> but uh, I did mention this a little bit on the episode that Alex Kurtzman's contract with CBS has been extended. Um, he got a handsome pay raise, by the way, too. A very handsome pay raise. That's good. So, well-deserved. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So, um, he is, um, extended through 2026, at least. More development deal with Star Trek and some of that. Uh, apparently, Viacom CBS really likes him. And, uh, so I know there have been people who have been asking for his ouster the moment he had become sole showrunner of Star Trek, because he thinks that they, they think that he's been ruining Star Trek. And it's like, oh, it's like mind blowing how many people just continually say like, oh, he's been fired and he's hired and he's fired and he's hired. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really kind of crazy. But, um. That's showbiz, baby. Yeah, exactly. So I think he's been fired at least 47 times. <laughs> That's quite, I the, the, I quite the, the track record. Yeah, quite the track record for being the person who gets hired and then fired so many times. Yeah, what so, a way to be. <laughs> so he's going to develop more Star Trek for uh, Paramount+. Plus. Um, there is the Section 31 show, which has been put on the back burners a little bit because of COVID. And um, and stuff like that. Uh, I know Michelle Yo lives out in, I think, in Hong Kong or something like that. Or something not in the United States or yeah. Canada. Oh, Australia. I think that's where she lives. She lives. But uh, so definitely Section 31 is still being developed, even though it's at a slower pace because of COVID. And also because I know there are some higher-ups who said you might see it after one of the show and shows ends. Uh, which is okay. Um, it's perfectly fine. I, I don't mind it. I mean, we don't want. Uh, I mean, granted, I know the discussion about franchise fatigue is a big thing because Star Trek has already experienced that. But you know, this is 2021, not not 2005. Yeah. Uh, so you got um, Star Wars has now exploded on on Disney Plus with a bunch of their shows, some of which I am looking forward to. Uh, one of them, for in particular, is the Obi Wan Kenobi limited show. Oh yeah. Yep, that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that's, that's gonna, gonna be that, cool. That's gonna be next year on Disney Plus, but we're not talking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but we can always talk about both. That is our thing that Wes yeah. and I are super proud of. The, the why not both, right? Yeah, we're not, not doing both. this whole the whole like one or the other. Is Star Wars better than Star Trek? I'm like, nah, we like both. It's all yeah, good. Exactly. Yeah, yep, and you know, and then you got the Marvel cinematic universe exploding with a bunch of limited series. Yeah, it's um, a like, time for sci-fi. It's exciting. Yeah, sci-fi and superhero and stuff like that. So I know the concern is about Star Trek being oversaturated again. I under, completely understand. I validate yeah. your concerns. But I think since every show is one season at a time and it only airs that season and then the next one, and the next one after that, 
I think that is actually what Berman Track should have done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, granted, Berman Track had done that for Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager especially. If he had all spaced them out by the seasons and stuff like that. I don't think we would have had franchise fatigue. But, uh, but granted, no one did that at the time. No, no, no one understood that. Now people, now with Paramount Plus doing that, it makes more sense. I don't think there would be an issue with uh, franchise fatigue now, considering that you know Marvel and Star Wars are exploding on their streaming yep. service. So uh, it's okay. So 2026, uh, there is the 631 show. Uh, there is a report out that we haven't heard much about in the last three years, which was a, a Starfleet Academy show. Which I think it probably won't be on Paramount Plus, and that's my shout out to Starfleet Academy. My my (laughs) little thing is back there hanging out. Yeah, yeah. So I think the Starfleet Academy show will not be on Paramount Plus initially. I think it probably will once the once the seasons are done, and I think it would probably be on the CW. And there you go, folks. Yeah, Star Trek show on network television. There you go. I know that some fans were. I know that is like a tough for some people. It's really tough to have that if that's the only way that you've ever you know watched star trek is on network television which for some of us that's how we always did but yeah yeah and i and i just see that uh yeah if you put it on the cw and i have a feeling that it would probably be on paramount plus once the season ends and stuff like that they would just put the seasons on their own feed on paramount plus once it ends so that's why i think that it would probably be on the cw i think that would be more geared towards teens anyway yeah, because, because Prodigy is aimed towards kids, and then you got the Starfleet Academy show that's aired towards teenagers and stuff like that. Uh, teen drama. It's exciting you know. to have different age groups, you know, being mm-hmm. talked about. Though I love, I love that that it's like that everyone has a chance to get into Star Trek, whatever age group they are. Yes, I'm just excited to to pleasantly surprise the neighbor kids next door who are like Star Trek. I don't know what that is, and I'm like. Oh, you'll maybe you'll know soon. Hopefully, yeah. like I hope that you'll be able to watch Prodigy or know of it enough to mm-hmm. actually be like, "Hey, wait a minute! You talked about Star Trek," and get them into it. Yeah, and you know, there's also uh, it was all from the New York Times, by the way, folks. This extension of Alex Kurtzman's contract with CBS. Um, he had mentioned in the article about a warp-centric comedy. I would absolutely love that. I mean, granted, you know, Michael Dorn has been trying to pitch his Captain Worf show for years. Um, But um, I think it'd be interesting to see if they go forward with this and Dorn is on board. Oh, man. Um, One of my most used Star Trek related images or things is the the scene of Worf like when they do the the whole Shakespearean thing and he's like I am not a merry man I oh, the Robin Hood. Con- yes Robin Hood. I constantly use that that is like my favorite like reaction thing to use is just like I am not a merry man well like I said that one's in the pitching stage right? yeah. granted, it may not happen we'll but see how it's perceived uh, or maybe he'll maybe he'll get his wish maybe Dorn will get his yeah. wish and do the Captain Worf show but uh and then and that uh paramount plus will be coming to the uk and europe next year thank you to sky um thanks to sky so paramount plus is continuing its expansion 
outside of the United States. Oh, that's uh, something darn. I wanted to ask uh, Birko about that, talking about how she grew up watching Star Trek, what that looked like in Europe, especially in Germany, like if that was just like what television things hosted it or how that worked. But yeah, that's a, it's interesting to see how that plays out, like or how how much exposure Europeans have to stuff we kind of take for granted being available to us. Yep. And yeah, so yeah, so it'll be launching in 2022 in the UK and Europe and stuff like that. So um, it's now available and it'll be available in Latin America this fall and in and, 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 and Australia, I think, later on this year. Then it'll be expanding to like um, Europe, rest of Europe. It has the Nordic countries. The Nordic countries were given it the same day as the United States. So here's my plan. I hope that eventually... All the current contracts with the new shows on the other streaming services will expire. And once Paramount Plus has been implemented all over the world, you would see probably Netflix and Amazon dropping the shows uh, that from Kurtzman era Trek and put them all on Paramount Plus. And that's what I think is going to happen eventually. So, and then everyone will get it at the same time. Uh, And speaking of Amazon Prime Video, uh, Lord Dex Season 2 will be on the next day on on Amazon Prime Video. So if you are an international fan and you're listening to us, fear not. Granted, you got Lord Dex six months after you, you, the United States, but um, or for about six months later because of COVID. But rest assured, you will have it the day it premieres, which as of this recording is this week so <laughs> so it'd be great to hear that uh it's great to hear that and stuff like that um oh yeah and one more thing uh this is not necessarily star trek related news but it does affect somebody who is a part of star trek but did something really recently so lavar burton oh yes lavar burton you know a few weeks ago he hosted jeopardy and that was all thanks in part to us Star Trek fans. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. We it's should all, all be... a huge, a huge pull of just trying to get everyone to yeah. ask him to be on the show. Yeah. Ask him the guest host because, you know, Alex Trebek had passed. In case you don't know, you don't remember, Alex Trebek passed away last November of pancreatic cancer. And they were scrambling to figure out who was going to host the show after he dies. And they've had a, a string of guest hosts. They've had former ca- champion Ken Jennings. They've had Mike Richards, the executive producer. Uh, they've also had um, Robin Roberts and George Stephanopoulos from ABC's Good Morning America. Uh, they've also had um, Bill Whitaker from CBS's 60 Minutes and stuff like that. And they've also had Mayim Bialik from The Big Bang Theory um, guest hosting for a f- couple weeks and stuff like that. As of this recording... There is one more guest host, and it is Fox Sports's Jeff, uh, Joe Buck, yep. and that's it. That's the end of the season. That will be the end of the season. But uh, there is a report out from Variety, the trade newspaper in the, and for the trades of show business, that Mike Richards, who was who is the executive producer, current executive producer of Jeopardy and uh, Real Fortune, he does both shows for Sony, um, he is in advanced negotiations to become the next host of Jeopardy. Oh. Yeah. So, 
I know that it's a blow to everybody of Star Trek and reading Rainbow fans everywhere and even Roots fans uh, who really wanted LeVar Burton to be the next host of the show. <laughs> but it looks yeah. like it's going to be Mike Richards, but it may not happen. It's just it, advanced negotiations. The reason why I say it may not happen is because there has been a there was a lawsuit that he had been a part of back in 2011. I'm just going to bring this up because it's important. Uh, in 2011, he was sued when he was the executive producer of The Price is Right as a sexual harassment, kind of like what Bob Barker had to go through when he was host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So two of the models had left the show in the middle of in the middle of the of the season, and because he they felt that they were, they were being like humiliated stuff like that, and. These two women had sued Fremantle Media, who produces the show, and Mike Richards, the executive producer. So that lawsuit, um, which was settled in 2013, um, has now come back up uh, <laughs> 10 years later. Uh, now that Richards is more than likely going to be the third ho ever host of Jeopardy. So... Uh, I don't know what could Don't happen. let your heart get broken too much. Understand. It's a, we're trying to give you the information so you can process it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, LeVar Burton, I mean, I watched his episodes. I mean, I'm a big Jeopardy fan. So, uh, I watched his episodes. He was very shaky the first two episodes. Both the Monday and Tuesday episodes were shaky for him. But then after, like, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday show he got better and stuff like that, and he and it's it's kind of crazy, like you know we're not, but we have to thank ourselves that we got him the guest host at all <laughs> as a bunch of Trekkies. So, I mean that signature that change prediction had over a quarter million signatures. Yeah, so, yeah. So like should... petitions, petitions work, guys. Half of Star Trek has been driven by, like in recent years, has been driven by petitions. So yeah, and you know, power to that, the people. That's two successful ones. The first one was getting Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yep, that was like that was like uh, probably over a million signatures and stuff like that. The second one was Alex uh, Levar Burton, so beyond uh, guest host Jeopardy, or you know. Granted, the petition had asked Sony to have him be the permanent host, but it may not happen. Granted, the man is in his early late sixties, so uh, maybe that probably worked against him. But yeah. I mean, not, not saying that I'm not I'm not trying to be ageist at all. But maybe that worked against him because of his like his age and stuff like that. You know, he's, yeah, he's like sixty. Well, so it's just like. It's easy to think like I don't know how many people actually know LeBarbin. I, I hope a lot of people know him for all the things that he's done. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of another thing too is like who are they choosing? Like who seems to have a lot of uh, a lot of hype behind them being there? And perhaps they want someone maybe who's not too hyped about certain experiences, or maybe they want a fresh face who can start their career. Or, you know, yeah. it, there's so many fa factors, like, and I'm not sure how they're making that decision, but I'm sure I'm confident with whatever decision that they make. It seems like they, the fact that they had guest hosts and kind of like listen to people hosting, that seemed like a good way for them to kind of figure out if people like this, like, how yeah. do they feel about this person? 
Yeah, I had, um, I mean, granted, I watched most of them. I didn't like a few of them, um, like Dr. Oz, Mehmet Oz. Oh, yeah. Or, or, um, I thought Dr. Gupta from CNN was okay. Yeah. But my top three favorite guest hosts were, um, Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, yep. um, Mayim Bialik, and Ruvar Burton. I have a feeling that Bialik probably won't be considered because of the fact of the matter is her show um, on Fox just got renewed for a second year. If it had been canceled after one year, I have a feeling they probably would have considered her more to be the next host. I mean, I mean, I mean, I like her. I mean, I love her. She's a neuroscientist first and foremost. Yeah. She's also an actress. So, uh, you know, and stuff like that. But I thought, when I watched her shows, I enjoyed watching her. I thought she was had the gravitas to be the next host and stuff like that. So that was my three favorite choices. Aaron Rodgers, Miami Bialik, LeVar Burton. But um, I don't know how Joe Buck will do. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, people either love him or hate him. Yeah. But <laughs> regarding that, but he's actually the – he was actually one that had not been on Celebrity Jeopardy before. Um, like some of the guest hosts that they had have been on Jeopardy before being a contestant on Celebrity Jeopardy, like the recent one, David Faber, who was on CNBC. So um, that definitely was there. So, uh, yeah, so I don't mean this. I mean, it, it's a little disappointing that LeVar Burton is probably not being yeah. considered as the permanent host of Jeopardy, but we should be thankful that we got him to guest host at all. Exciting news. News and a wrap. Yeah, that's a wrap on the news. Time travel. All right. I oh, love time travel. I it's love... such a huge part of Star Trek. And also why I love Star Trek is because of all the time traveling. Yes, I do like the time travel. The fish out of water situation definitely is the I best. I also love how much they try to sort of exp- like half explain it. You know, like they try to give a chance of like some sort of like faux logic around why it works the way it does. Or it gives some reasoning of like as to why it happened, like temporal anomalies and yeah. you know, so many temporal anomalies. So many like, techno babble. Yeah. All the techno babble is I love that about Star Trek. It makes you feel like you're like, I can believe that they're traveling. Like I think that's an important part of sci-fi is making the science aspect of it believable if you're exploring something that doesn't exist in today's standards. Yes, yeah, definitely. So, and the way that they time travel is very different too. Like we've had stories of them traveling to the past. Uh, we have stories of traveling to the future. Uh, time loops where you're looped in the past somewhere or in yep. a series of time. And yep. I think it's just interesting the different approaches that they have. Yeah, and it's really kind of interesting that, you know, we've had uh, – like at least oh my gosh at least 30 40 stories about star trek going time traveling either either something comes like like we they travel back to the past or travel to the future or something from the past travels into the future um 
You know, like for like I can bring up one right now. Yesterday's yesterday's Enterprise. The Enterprise C travels through that time vortex and ends up in the hellish future with the Enterprise D, in which the Klingons yeah. are pretty much conquered the Federation. So, yeah. So and that's like a big uh, and like that's that's a, another example of like seeing a future thing and then hoping that you can somehow change it then in the present, or that you travel to the past and it's an alternate timeline versus traveling to the past and it's on a linear timeline. Like a lot of the original series episodes. Mm-hmm. are very much this like it's a linear timeline mm-hmm. when they travel back in time you have to use the prime directive and be careful yes. and not alter time yes. whereas there's a lot of stuff like in voyager plenty of episodes where it becomes like an alternate timeline uh, that they're experiencing and so there's no need to really be careful about what you're affecting yes definitely and you know it's it's used throughout all of the series except for picard and Lord yeah Rex. I mean the the trope of of uh, time travel and stuff like that. I mean, granted, two of the movies are are direct results of time travel. Three of the movies, I should say. Yeah, there's uh, yeah, I'm like yeah. Three of them. Uh, Voyage Home, First Contact, First Contact, 2009. 2009. Yeah. <laughs> 2009. So, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, the time travel trope. Yeah, definitely. Um. Uh, Definitely is a great tool, you know. I mean, like I said at the beginning, you know, William Shatner thought it was dumb when they do it for the voyage home. Uh, thought it was stupid. But uh, there are some good ones from the original series. There's only like a few. Oh, I mean, one of the best rated Star Trek episodes, City on the Edge of Forever. Yeah, City on the Edge That's of Forever. That's like a huge, uh, a huge example of them really trying to like play with the idea of uh, time travel and the effects of it too like being like oh you have to be it's super vulnerable to change do not change history otherwise you'll erase the federation yep and that's pretty much what happens when uh, mccoy jumps through that time portal and he causes the either cure to survive and enterprise disappears so and then kirk and spock travel back in time to pretty much allow edith keeler to die so they can have the Federation yeah. back. So, <laughs> but, you know, the very first instance of using time travel actually was in the naked time. Yeah. <laughs> so, because, you know, they reverse warp, I guess, and they went backwards in time and it went back about three days. So, and it's like, oh, no, not the last three days. Everyone was going nuts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And don't forget tomorrow is yesterday, too. Yeah, tomorrow's yesterday. Yep, the one where the Enterprise accidentally was in the 60s. <laughs> yeah, they do a lot of, uh, yeah, traveling into the past. Yes, there's a lot more travels to the past than there are in, a, like, something coming through the future or, you know, going to the future. Uh, yeah. There's a lot more going to the past, either by intentional or accidental. Um, mm-hmm. And in that case, tomorrow's yesterday was an accident. Um. And stuff like that. And I love ones where they start playing with like different, like different rates of time, or like actually taking into consideration the speed of time. Like yes, uh, Voyager, blink of an eye. They, oh yeah, they they play with that concept, like relative speed of time, and I think that's pretty cool. And yeah, I, uh, the 
the, the one that they're on the planet, they, they are over in the planet that uh, evolved. Just for a couple hours. And, and they're like an advanced civilization, that kind of by thing. The t- yeah, and all of a sudden they're seeing it. They realize that it's, you know, ex- expanding and advancing at a really incredible rate. And then by the end of it, they get to be visited by them to be like, wow, you've been such a big part of our life. What, what brings you here? Like, why do you choose to be here this whole time? And it's like, oh man, we've been here like two hours. We're just, we're just trying to get our, our stuff set up before we keep going on our voyage. We're just and trying to get like, out, we're trying to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, we're just were, trying to get out of here. We were just taking like, we were just parking and stopping for a minute and refueling <laughs> and getting something fixed. And to them, it was, you know, yeah, thousands them, and thousands of years. Yeah, to them, it was like a thousand, thousands of years, but to Voyager, it was like two or three hours. Yeah. So it was like, you know, um, but then they were stuck in that orbit. And you yeah, know, it, they were stuck in that orbit because of the because of the planet itself, and they were, and they apparently they became part of the mythos of that planet. Yeah, uh, either yep. in, intentionally or not, unintentionally, being the skyship, so yeah, uh, stuff like that. But then also episodes like um, I like we can go to Voyager and stuff like that. Um, Timeless, um, the episode, the hundredth episode actually, uh, in which you know Voyager actually tried to get home. But ended up on the, ended up crashing on this ice planet. Everyone dies. Yeah. Uh, and the only two survivors of the point of the disaster are Chakotay and Harry Kim. Yeah, and having to <laughs> somehow like that's the thing too, like altering decisions made in the past, affecting yeah. the future, and how can you change that? Which that was a huge part of that story because if they wouldn't have, that would have been it, right? Like yeah, that would have been yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would have been it. The end. Yeah, that would have been the end of Voyager. That would have been interesting and stuff like that. The other, the other Voyager episode that I always think of for time travel is Year of Hell. Oh yeah, that's like an insane one too. I think probably some of my biggest like favorite time travel episodes have all been in Voyager. Mm-hmm. They've been in Voyager too for me. Uh like Future's End or Year of Hell <laughs> or Timeless or Relativity. I should say, bring that up too. Yeah. When someone tries to prevent Captain Braxton from blowing up Voyager because mm-hmm. uh, Braxton has like a kind of like an Ahab kind of like uh, obsession. Because, yeah. Because apparently, according to the 29th Century Federation, Voyager shows up on their sensors far too often for violating the timeline. <laughs> and, well, yes, I always laugh about that, like the violations of timeline stuff. And <laughs> the, when we actually get to hear about the like the timekeeper type of people who yeah. investigate that kind of stuff in Deep Space Nine, and they reference Kirk being like, "Oh, I know you guys have like you're violating some time <clears throat> some time rules here, but our biggest person is Kirk. He is uh, this many violations on his file, yeah, like 17. the most of any. <laughs> yeah, seventeen violations, temporal violations on his file." And they call him a menace for that reason. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> because it was, the man was a menace. But, you know, I was just thinking about, like, you know, you know, they thought Kirk was a menace. Why not Janeway? Yeah, I'm like, where, I mean, like, how in the heck do they not, like, bring her up? I mean, that's like her, the whole story of them getting home, most of it is time travel related. Why they even end up, like, in a yeah. decent, maybe they just can't track it. Maybe they only track the, the alpha quadrant so like maybe they don't yeah. keep track of delta quadrant violations because they don't protect or like own that part of space like yeah. or enforce it there i don't know weird <laughs> yeah my favorite like funny time travel episodes have all been 
Deep Space Nine, though. Like yes. Little Green Men and Trials oh, yeah. and Tribulations. Yes. Yes. Uh, Little Green Men, definitely. Yes. Cork, <laughs> Rom, and Nog being yes. the Martians. Like, did they put on the Roswell landing of 1947? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I love that episode. I think it's just funny all the way through. And, and Oh, yeah. I absolutely love that one. I I mean, that's definitely one of my favorites. And then Trials and Tribulations. It's just a treat to watch. Yeah. Funny and, and a treat. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, uh, I like the scene in Little Green Man where he's like, doing, like they don't they don't have a they don't talk to each other yet. The humans yeah. are cranky. And he does the nose thing. The shaking their nose at each other. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes like, I've always heard primitive humans lack intelligence, but I had no idea they were this stupid. Yeah. I had no, I had no idea they were this stupid. <laughs> and, you know, he was shot that, uh, uh, Quark was shot that we irradiated our own planet. <laughs> they irradiated their own planet? Yeah. Because it was after the uh, after World War Two, and you know, with the atomic age and stuff like that, and you know, it's like they irradiated their own planet. <laughs> and, yeah. <you> know, <laughs> oh my gosh! And then Cork, tri- and then Cork tries to like you know keep them here, and he's gonna sell them the warp technology. And, yeah. And like it, you it, can't do that. <laughs> it's like, oh god, oh man. Oh, yeah. Man. What a what a Pandora's box he would have opened up doing something like that. If he actually succeeded in that, oh my gosh, that would have been interesting. I I really love using. I just I mean I just love how Star Trek utilizes time travel for storytelling and like kind of bringing stuff to resolution, like from the movies yep. to even like the end of Voyager and Endgame. They do that too. It's like, yep. how are you going to end this on a final note with some time travel? Like, of course, yeah, why not? How are you going to fix everything? Time travel. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I think I, I think out of the Berman era finales that were like two hours long, Endgame is the weakest one. Yeah, <laughs> because they get home, there's no celebration, there's no resolution, there's no debriefing. This the episode could have gone for another hour. In a oh, I know they definitely skipped a lot of like what you'd expect, like for a crew being gone that long. Like, did everyone just forget about Voyager being like, ah, they're lost cause. And when they get back, they're like, oh, all right, anyway. It's like, dude, that would be insane. If we lost astronauts or anything for that period of time, and then they just somehow finally got home. I mean, that would be insane. That'd just be like news forever. Everyone would be so excited and just wanting to know, like, what happened? What's going on? How did you get home? Yeah, I know that the novels after Voyager ended kind of elaborated on that. There's kind of elaborate on what happened, you know, like, you know, they meet, like, like, Catherine Jane, meets Jean-Luc Picard for the first time, and stuff like that, and, and, and other things of that nature, but, um, I mean, I wish, I, w- I wish they had done more with that ending of yeah. Endgame, like, you know, that episode could have gone for another hour, I mean, because it was all, it could, but they wanted to wrap everything in a nice little present, well, it didn't, it was partially wrapped, yeah <laughs> but for series finales at least like i love uh, all good things like next year yeah. with all good things that's that's a good one for yeah. like comparing time travely series ends i guess yes and game is like all right like yeah. cool but all good things is yes awesome 
I mean, granted, it doesn't, doesn't feel like the finale just yet because yeah, because by that time Generations was in production and uh, that's that. I mean, that's definitely the ending of uh, the Enterprise D era is Generations, which also involves time travel a little bit. Uh, I forgot there's four movies and then I I I but you know Generations is the fourth one. Oh yeah, with, with the Nexus and stuff like that. That's how yep. I got Kirk here. Yeah, they got Kirk and Picard meeting each other. Yep. Yeah, so I forgot about that. I know there's so much. Like, I mean, it, I feel like I could, I could comb through all the movies and series and just remember more and more time travel stuff. Like, there's even just like subtle bits of time travel or very like brief things yeah. where it's just like a plot point. But it's like it is used very. I mean, it's like a key storytelling component of Star Trek, like. For the most part, like wherever there's like big progress or you want to show character growth or a what a scenario time travel. I mean, yeah. like that was a big thing about like the episode you brought like yesterday's Enterprise and stuff like just being like how like like looking at that, too, and understanding seeing war flack for the first time. <laughs> like, yes, where it's like what happened there telling the story of like, oh, no, is this the future that we have or is this the past we could have had like all the different things that they visit first contact is another one like that too. Yeah. Just like, here's a story I'm warning you about, like, because of the Borg know that this exists. Here's your chance to change that future. Yes. And I think about like, uh, other things like that, you know, and that's great. And you know, Oh, can't forget about cause and effect. Oh yeah. Yeah. From the next generation, you know, and it's, I mean, you know, uh, I, I like that episode. I do like that episode. It's one of my favorites. So, uh, but um, it's always fun to watch the Enterprise. I mean, they're stuck in this time loop of the Enterprise blowing up every like every like twelve hours. Yeah, <laughs> like every twelve hours, and like, you know, and you got Kelsey Grammer as Captain Bateson and stuff like that. I mean, I I like I like him as an actor, but not as his political views. But yeah, uh, but. Uh, <laughs> But I do like him and stuff like that. I mean, I enjoy him from Frasier and The Simpsons and mm-hmm. Cheers. But uh, but definitely, that is an episode that probably could have gone like another like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> because of the ending of that episode. He goes like, because he asked him what year it is. He asked him like, he asked Bateson what, Picard asked Bateson what, what you know what year this is? <laughs> he says, yes, of course I do. It's 2278. Uh, and then he goes like, he goes, like, perhaps you should be aboard our ship. There's something we need to discuss. <laughs> yeah. I mean, granted, I have a feeling I know what it is. You know, he beams aboard, talks with Picard, and, you know, saying, like, it's 2369. So, right. not 20. I I guess. I don't know what else to tell you. You have been in that pot. You have been in that. You have been in that temporal loop for the last 90 years. Yeah. Uh, this is 2364, not 20, 2369, not 2278. Yeah. So. <laughs> So you've been there for 90 years. So I just imagine that conversation was not a very happy one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, it, you can kind of figure like it'd be like anybody who's experienced being in a coma or a lapse in their time and having to wake up from that. It'd be like, wow, wow, have things changed? <laughs> and it's like, especially for a time period that long, mm-hmm. that can't be good. Where it's like everybody you know and love is likely gone. So or nearly passed. 
which is that's a tough thing with all the time travel stuff is meeting older versions of people or yeah. like future versions of yourself or of the others you know like i think of a very emotional deep space nine episode the visitor where yes. where cisco's trapped in this kind of weird like mm-hmm. temporal thing of seeing uh jake grow old and it yeah. just it's like a very weird i was but it's very emotional big character yes. growth yes definitely the visitor definitely is a time travel story even though it's technically not Technically not like time travel y, but um it does make sense for the time travel trope. Yeah, um, it's like a kind of like more of a Christmas like uh the uh, like a Christmas carol like ghosts of the future's past type of thing. You know, like being yeah. sort of like a uh like Q has done this with McCart, like kind of showing, you know, showing these futures where it's like you're not necessarily traveling, but you're seeing potential futures or like you're kind of existing on the edge of that reality and seeing stuff of the mm-hmm. future. Like you're not necessarily traveling, but you're seeing into the future, which that's kind of a weird way to do time travel, but it is in a way time travel. And if you're not physically traveling, you're seeing into the future or into the past even too. Yes. And uh, that was definitely there. Yep. Uh, you know, granted that, um, and I mean, I'm glad that that future for the Next Generation crew didn't really happen. Yeah. I mean, because of the fact, um, uh, because they all drifted apart. One died, Deanna Troy, sadly. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm just glad it didn't really happen because, you know, with the films and especially now with Picard, um, they're more of like more of a close-knit group of people, thanks in part because, you know, and I have a feeling that was probably just because behind the scenes work too. You know, yeah. if it had gone seven years the way it was written originally for Next Generation, uh, it would have been just like that future. It would have been yeah. just like that, that that future. But thanks to Michael Pillar, who made the show more character driven stories, um, they're more caring of each other. They're like best buds, that kind of thing. You know. <laughs> Especially, you know, it was definitely probably behind the scenes and also with this cast, you know. I mean, granted, they were the first cast that actually got along with each other. Yeah. (laughs) Unlike the original series, you know, because, you know, James Doohan and uh, George Takei hated William Shatner's guts. Yeah, I know. I know Takei still does. Yeah. Not a fan. (laughs) Not a a fan of his guts. Um, Yeah, so, but this was... I, that's what I like about all the shows um, since the original series. All the casts have gotten along with each other. Yeah, I think it's an so, important part of making it work is having mm-hmm. that. Yes, I think when you got we got a cast that actually likes each other, um, you know, chose the bat for one another and stuff like that. Because that actually happened with Enterprise too. Um, I didn't know this, but um, I watched the I have the Blu-ray sets of Enterprise, and yeah. they they mentioned in the in the documentaries for it. That since most of the cast were younger than Scott Bakula, mm-hmm. I mean Scott, Scott, Scott Bakula was the oldest one. Uh, they were always um, he was always going to bat for his cast because he was the oldest one. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. that's why I understood is like he pretty much like you know went to bat for them with anything that they had a problem with something like that. And that's such a that's a cool way them. to approach people's yeah. careers of being helpful and a friend on screen and off screen yes yes and you know i think it's something too that i really like about star trek it seems like in general at least like in the later series 
like they, they they too are also like obviously fans of star trek but that they they really actually like each other off screen like yeah. i loved like it, there was like this summer i saw there was a picture of janeway and robert picardo you know you know like yeah. uh hanging out like kate mulgrew and him just like chilling out having some drinks and stuff and i'm like that's great to see them just hanging out being like hey guys like yeah look at us chilling out and you see some of them in like groups like i i've seen uh delancey and robert ricardo are both in uh star trek shit posting like that group they're both in there and they bat all the time for stuff there <laughs> like they they like always like stand up for stuff like there was something like i think the group got shut down randomly for some reason and but and uh, robert ricardo like made a whole like video being like hey that's not cool here's why you should keep that open and like i i really like it as a place and i got it back open it's like wow i can't believe the emergency medical hologram helped us all out here (laughs) like what are the odds that he's still like on and off screen he he's an emergency responder that that saves the day yes and yeah it's 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 you know, time travel made him more, uh, the doctor more, like, a more mobile doctor, I should say. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, if it wasn't for time travel, he literally wouldn't be able to exist outside of the medical deck area. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, sick bay, sick or, bay the holodeck, yeah. or the holodecks. So. Yeah, that too. So, I think that's super cool. What a what a way to strengthen the plot being, like, again, like, they always try to find some way to sort of, like, scientifically expand things by being like, oh, time travel, future technology here we go like now you can magically do this better or like with voyager traveling it's like getting a hold of like nanotechnology or cool stuff that will help you get home like even though this is in the future going even further in the future helps people of the future anyway yes and i thought that was really interesting you know and also like like we brought time travel being put up for last before and then can't forget about the voyage home yeah and you know double dumbass on you and um yeah <laughs> but the funny part of it you know is like spock trying to swear and he can't swear yeah uh, they like you very much but they are not the hell you're whales <laughs> i suppose they told you that didn't you apparently the hell they did <laughs> or whether it was <laughs> i suppose they told you that huh the hell they did yeah <laughs> so he says the hell to everything <laughs> Like that's not how that works. It's like amazing. Yeah. It's like, and then Spock and Kirk have that conversation afterward, going like, "Spock, you really should stop doing that because you don't got, got quite got the knack of it." Yeah, he's trying. Give it the good old try. Give it the old college try. Yeah, and he tried. He tried very much, and he just flat out failed on it and stuff like that. And you know, and don't forget about some other hilarious things about time travel. You know, within first contact. uh Troy gets drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <Not> tequila. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yep, that's uh, yeah, that's, like, uh, that's like an experience, I guess. Only, only in the past, I guess. And I also think it's always funny when um, they meet when they're when Data and Carter in the uh, Phoenix's uh, launch center era, area. And you know, Lily Sloan starts firing her weapon at them, and he goes, and Picard says, "Hold your fire, we're trying to help you." And then uh, Lily says, "Bullshit!" and starts yeah. firing. And, and, and it always makes me laugh uh, whenever she says oh, that. It, 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 always time. I mean, I, I mean, Grant will probably just like, but she says it, and it's like it's oh, okay because yeah. it's in Star Trek. I can say it, you know. Yeah. 
but she says bullshit. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's on. so funny. It, is I, so, it screams it out too, and it's oh hilarious. yeah. Well, I'm sure it's scary. It's like being on the other side of the time travel, where you're the person experiencing someone traveling through time. That's intense. Like something from yeah. the future coming to the past. It's like, how do you manage that? And like that's a whole plot point that you'll Boy, see throughout Star Trek. I'm like, how do people of the past handle like this little glimpse into the future? And like, is it something you have to tiptoe around? Are people, you know, mm-hmm. accepting of it? Yes. You know, like you get to see all the different ways that they handle like reacting to time travel. And that the future, we're like, oh, it's just part of uh, our existence. We just time travel, temporal anomalies. But then you travel back to like 1950s United States. And it's like, I can't even, what it must be bad or evil because this is insane. I'm scared now. Yeah, it's like, uh, that's happened a few times regarding like people from the past who experienced the future. And actually some do go, uh, like only one goes to the future. Um, and that's Julian Taylor from The Voyage Home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know with rain robinson and louis sloan from rain robinson from future's end and also uh louis sloan from first contact um with those characters and stuff like that and zephyr cochran to an extent um yeah learning about you know learning about his future and stuff like that yeah and, yeah future history telling not not history of the past but learning that he's a huge kind of shaping his character knowing that in the future he is held very highly yeah kind of cleans up his act a little bit yeah exactly so you got these like characters who like you know i don't want to be a part of this or you know it's like oh what am i supposed to do here you know and you know i'm from the future and stuff like that you know i'm only i'm from iowa i'm only working outer space um yeah <laughs> yeah well, it's the time travel i think is, all, is a very intertwined with Star Trek. i mean we literally have a whole alternate timeline of the original series because of yeah. time travel plot like jj abrams calvin timeline is literally a product of time, time travel, travel shenanigans yes. so Which- i I think that's why I'm always looking forward to seeing more opportunities around time travel storytelling. Yes, and I thought that, I mean, granted, I thought that the the way that they did the time travel in the Kelvin timeline was a little bit funky. Yeah. I mean, how the heck do you use a black hole to travel back 145 years or something like that? You know, 130 years. And also the, the weird thing of, like, realizing, like, black holes are, how they were referring to black holes is definitely more of, like, a wormhole not a not a black hole yeah like, there's the whole thing of like black holes are actually just like really dense points in space not necessarily like a hole in space that you could travel through yeah it is a that's more of a wormhole not a black hole but yeah. just like the whole pur- purposes around like just trying to explain it away like yeah i thought that was a little bit funky and that's just me and that's um but yeah it's more of like a wormhole a time traveling wormhole rather than a black hole because, <laughs> but it was okay i mean it works and stuff like that for the short for the story but at this i was a little wonky and then also we have like a wormhole that takes the discovery into the future takes yeah them, takes them well over a thousand almost a thousand years into their future in which yeah in which the federation is splintered um, mm-hmm. like to the point where earth is no longer a part of it nor is vulcan yeah uh, it's Nivar now, I should say, Nivar, because of the fact that the unification did occur. 
mm-hmm. um, which was kind of nice. Nice little episode. That's actually one of my favorites from season three of Discovery is Unification Three. Yeah, um, the, Discovery thought, also does an amazing job. I mean, they do an amazing job at telling stories with time travel too, just totally yeah. transforming each season. Yep, and they're trying to. Like, I mean, granted, it was you know, granted, the time travel plot of season two was to get uh, to to explain why Discovery was never mentioned again in canon. Yeah, and why Marco Burnham was never mentioned before Discovery, and yeah. And stuff like that. And then you got this uh, going into the future and kind of thing. And, you know, I and still now I'm think... excited to see where it ends up now. It's a new season. I'm just seeing it. I'm like, I wonder what time travel shenanigans are going to be in this. Yeah, this five mile wide, this five light year wide anomaly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, I don't know what's going to happen, but I mean, it looks pretty cool. You know, they're yeah. flying out of their seats. And I thought, oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's gonna be intense. Yeah, and you know, it might be if I'm just gonna say this right now. Um, Truck movie made that prediction that since Lower Decks and Prodigy are after each other, one after the other, Discovery's fourth season will fly just underneath the radar yeah. on December 30th. So, uh, but if it does happen, but I mean, granted, it made delayed maybe a week or two because of they remember back in like april they had a covid outbreak yeah so <laughs> it, may, it may have affected it yeah but we'll see how it goes we'll see how it goes but it, it's interesting to see what happens and stuff like that um going further along with time travel stuff like that we'll have a picard obviously and because we're going to be back in time to 20 well, now we might get a little experience of time travel vibes now mm-hmm. in picard with yes. Q appearing, so it'll be interesting to see that when Q comes around. He usually loves to play with time a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought, like, you know, how are they gonna? I hope this is something that's never mentioned. I hope that this in this version of 2021, this COVID pandemic is not mentioned. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see if it is. Yeah, because uh, it is part of our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, but, um, I wonder if it it will be mentioned, um, stuff like that. And then time travel is also used for, um, interesting, well, um, interesting episodes as well for time travel, I forgot to mention, like episodes like Assignment Earth from the original series, um, uh, along with Gary Seven and stuff like that. Granted, that was a backdoor pilot. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, granted, it would have been interesting to had they had gone with it, you know, because it would have been like a time traveling James Bond, yeah, uh, kind of character, and it would have been interesting, you know, and and stuff like that, being you know, in its own show. Yeah, that would be like... a cool spinoff if someone would have actually ran with it and kept it going. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a still a cool concept even today. I mean, a time traveling yeah. James Bond. I mean, granted, I think the Section Thirty One show would probably do something like that with Michelle Yeoh. I mean, yeah. granted, I, I think she kicks ass. So, so I mean, I, I mean, I, I absolutely adore her. So I think she, she could kick ass being doing that, like being James, mm-hmm. Bond, like a female James Bond in the Star Trek universe kind of thing, doing time traveling kind of thing. Because Section Thirty One did experiment with time travel in season two. And that's how that yeah, whole that, that, that whole angel suit came around was like it's writers hear us out to say yeah if you're hearing us do it um do it and then also like episodes like past tense uh, from DS9 you know to put make commentary on uh, societal situations I mean granted you know we're getting close to that now um mm-hmm. like 
like trying to cordon off the homeless. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's, they often use time travel to kind of do like a little bit of critical commentary. critical analysis of current times, being like, we're going to travel back, like, like when, like, how Spock makes note of our atmosphere in the 70s, being like, ah, we must be in, you know, yeah. uh, 20th century uh, Earth yeah. because yeah. look at the atmosphere and the pollution must be Earth in the 20th century. Yeah. It's like, that's a, that's quite a call out being like, Hey guys, anyone watching this remember? Yeah. Yeah. And he his exact line is judging by the pollution content of the atmosphere. I believe we have arrived at the latter half of the 20th century. Yeah. So that's, that's actually his, 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 his line right there. Yeah. And, uh, and from what I understand, and this is something about Voyage Home, this is a more production standpoint because uh, Nick Meyer and uh, Nicholas Meyer and Howard Bennett wrote that screenplay. That actually is his first line. Um, Nick Meyer's first line is, in that movie is that line, judging by yeah. the content of the atmosphere line. But then also, it's like also save the whales, you know, yeah. and save the humpback whale, you know, and stuff like that. Granted, thanks to Star Trek, that population, which had been dwindling by 1986, is now back to like I think over 500,000 yeah. specimens. So it's, it's wild, but that's like kind of the, the, the beauty of time travel, I guess, especially adding, being able to do commentary on current events from a future sci-fi standpoint. Yes. And I, and, and it's not just Star Trek that does that either. Oh that. yeah. And there's some other Star Trek science fiction films and TV shows that do that. Like I thought of like district nine. Yep. That, yep. That did a, definitely did a commentary on racism. Yeah, like I, you know, it's uh, like the the way that uh, we treat people, like South African history in itself, doing a reflection on that. Yeah, with apartheid. Yes. Yeah. And yeah it's, it's it's not just Star Trek who does uh, commentaries on with, with using our science fiction uh, science fiction elements at all. It's well, it's Star- like sort of touching on our previous episode when you were talking with uh, with Birko is uh, yeah. the the inevitable like aspect of science fiction is sort of the political and social commentary that it can provide. Yeah. Yes. And one way that Star Trek usually does that is doing its time traveling into the past to sort of remark on how it's going in mm-hmm. during that time period that they're traveling back to, which usually is, you know, like our time, like doing a past travel, but also using the future to be like, this is what could end up if you don't make better decisions or change your ways. Yeah, and I thought um, there's like Enterprise uses time travel a lot mm-hmm. because of the temporal Cold War and stuff like yep. that, which was I thought was cool. I mean, granted that came out of a different kind of science fiction concept that Brandon Braga had had, um, but you know it's kind of weird how that all came about for Enterprise is because Berman and Braga want to do a prequel because they felt that nothing could be told after Voyager, you know, nothing could be like you know further into the future and stuff like that. So they yeah. had to go back to the past and stuff like that. But then UPN wanted something like, wanted something after Voyager, you know, like, you know, like further past it. And they're like, no, we can't do that. It's yeah. it's, be, it's become unrealistic for us. Yeah. That's, that's why they went back to the 22nd century. Well, they decided on having a prequel, but also having a future aspect to it, which, which came out of the temporal cold war and stuff like that. And future guy. Um, yeah. Which, we never got to see who he was. I mean, I've heard theories that it could be a future version of Archer. Mm-hmm. And I've also heard it's a Romulan. 
Yeah. So I've heard theory, fan theories about James Horn's character from the first three years, uh, for the first two years of Enterprise. The future guy who is all by the shadows, manipulating everything and stuff like that. And stuff like that. I honestly thought it was Archer and stuff like that. I'd, I mean, love, to, I'd love to see a little more, like, revisitation of Enterprise plot because yes. it seems to be something that's kind of left out because of how it kind of it sort of half flopped during the time is right like definitely fizzling out in this like that first wave of star trek coming to an end where at that time that's when star trek was probably at its biggest low besides the very beginning of star trek yes. like it's starting to experience a lull and a lull where like people just don't really care and then it just kind of fizzled out so it'd be nice to see like there was some a lot of really good plot points and things that could have been explored more in enterprise had it maybe got more reception and popularity and it'd be nice to see a lot of more of that explored through other series like referencing it like the only reference i've really seen like the the in jj abrams thing like talking about archer's dog like yeah. they like i you know when uh Montgomery Scott is like talking about like transporter technology. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, oh, you know, I took uh, his old dog there, and I'm just waiting for him to come back. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> oh man, that's not good. <laughs> oh yeah, so I try on Arch- my Archer's prize beagle, and Kirk goes, "Yeah, like, I know that dog. Where is it? Oh, it's you know it reappears." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> like, uh oh. Yeah, that was a nice little nod to Enterprise, but you know, Enterprise, cause the, the time, the whole temporal Cold War thing was actually. Like a, kind of like a different concept altogether and stuff like that. It could have been its own show. That's what it was yeah. originally. So, but definitely, I know the Temporal Cold War wasn't a big hit with the fans. Um, everyone thought it was dumb and stuff like that. But then, again, but then there were some good episodes from that era of Enterprise. Yeah. You know, with regarding that, like episodes like um, Stormfront. The, the episode mm-hmm. after Stormfront that, was cool. Yeah, with the alternate version of 19 of world war two in which yeah. the nazis had taken over the eastern seaboard of the united yeah. states when it didn't happen in real life um <laughs> yeah that's another cool time yeah. travel episode yeah and there's also a good time travel episodes too like um from enterprise but again it's technically not time travel it's more of a bad dream kind of like kind of like uh yeah gear, like gear of hell the episode twilight yeah um, in which everything went, had went had went to hell and mm-hmm. something like that the zindi the zindi mission ended in failure and stuff like that and uh you know earth is destroyed that kind of thing but uh yeah it's kind of like gear in hell year of hell and yesterday's enterprise they're technically uh time travel stories but they're also classified as bad dream episodes yeah bad dream stories similar to that uh the the deep space nine episode too it's like these bad dream episodes of like looking at Mm-hmm. kind of being a ghost or a, a what if scenario dreaming about it or experiencing it through some sort of like yes vision into time not so much a physically traveling through time yeah visionary is one of those two and it's like a bad dream and a time change reverses everything back to normal that yeah. kind of thing so but it's okay deadlock is kind of like that one too but mm-hmm. you know it, it but it's not necessarily a time travel story it's more of like a sciencey type of story yeah <laughs> So, but definitely because you got like one dark Voyager who's got severely damaged and the other one's just green and pristine. Yeah. Um, so, but definitely, uh, and Harry Kim's dot guys, but comes back <laughs> through yeah. this, like through this, this divergent field and stuff like that. And 
like, hey, we, we can we, use the other one, right? Yeah, <laughs> him. Use, him and the other Naomi. So, because yep. yeah, Naomi, di- uh, Naomi died. Like, nobody will ever know. <laughs> yeah, no one will ever know. No one will care. No one will care. And you'll still say it's weird. And But, yeah. like, but like Janeway says, Mr. Kim, we're Starfleet officers. We're just part of the job. Yeah. Um, I love that line. I still love mm-hmm. that line. Still love that it's part line. of the job. Um, it's all part of the job. That's so, literally time travel in Star Trek. It's just part of the job. Yeah. You know, depending on what, what, how you feel about it and stuff like that. Yes, it is part of the job. I mean, granted, that's pretty much like if you were a Starfleet officer, wouldn't you want to be time traveling a lot? Yeah. See, see like, you know, future fast things or something like that. Or Just part like of the that. job. <laughs> Just part of the job. And it's, it's, I mean, granted, that's probably what I wouldn't mind doing as a Starfleet officer, going on time yeah. travel, being a historian or something like that. They had historians on the Enterprise, but, you know, and it's, but that's okay. It's, it's fine. Anyway, I think that's about it. Any final thoughts? No, just uh, now I just want to go through and kind of look at all the time travel episodes or what I consider time travel versus bad dream stories and categorizing those. There we go. There's another data set that you can look at is how many time travel episodes are there in Star Trek and what does that mean to time travel? I wonder if it was actually 47. I wonder if it was actually exactly 47. Yeah, because I, I know that's at least thirty. Yeah, spread out across all the shows. I know it's at least thirty, but um, I'm kind of curious to see how many there actually are. Yeah, it's, it's including the films. Um, uh, and, and I like I didn't mean to. Me- I forgot to mention this on our last episode. We're talking with Bjorko. Was that like you know I applaud you for actually trying to do all 800 plus episodes of star trek yeah and using that for the dialogue and stuff like that i mean i should have said wow i mean that's like when she said she manually manually went through to assign you know note who who is what like male or female that's pretty pretty intense like to like be like here's all my lines of dialogue from these characters but i have to go through and check every character and group them by their gender that i have to go through and mark manually and then it's a clean data set once she adds that in yeah and and all it's it's but it's like now you'd have to do that with like episodes of star trek and be like which one group by which ones have time travel mentioned (laughs) that'd be insane yes it would be very insane you know but i i mean granted the pandemic pretty much allowed her to do it so yeah i, I the space I, and time and the passion to, to yeah. explore it yeah that's great all right so i'm gonna make, make this little note here um i know in episode 26 i said the next time we'll be talking to people about lower decks um i made that mistake because i thought that by the time we recorded again because by that time we hadn't we hadn't scheduled a, a, we hadn't scheduled with uh Birko yet. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I wasn't sure about uh, how this all was going to go about and stuff like that. But yeah, the that's next, right. yeah, but I'm just letting you guys, letting the listeners know that I made an error. So, but that's okay. So the next time we will be talking, hopefully by the time we record again, there will be four episodes of Lower Deck Season 2 already out on Paramount Plus and Amazon Prime Video and crave and and stuff like that 
elsewhere and we can do two episodes talking about those four episodes because this will definitely be episodes 29 30 and what beyond yeah until this years of the trek is over uh we, we probably do like side episodes here and there but oh, yeah. um, but definitely for like episodes that we're gonna be talking about the new star trek content we're gonna i'm gonna try to group them you know mm-hmm. so so it's but it's better that we like uh like do like um the next two episodes after this will probably be 20, uh, 29 and 30 yep will be about at least the four episode first four episodes of lower deck season two first two are gonna be on episode 29 first two mm-hmm. next two on episode 30 and stuff like that and it's gonna be interesting because we got like a, like i said we got years worth of trek coming up yeah a full year hopefully um grand there might be a week or maybe maybe they'll space it out maybe they will who mm-hmm. knows but at least at least a whole years if not more worth of trek uh because um discovery is almost wrapped now um the, like the actors have seated like hey i'm done i'm going home yeah and stuff like that and uh other things picard's still shooting thankfully they haven't had a covid outbreak oh, so many moving parts yeah yeah picard's still going on Let's see um, how they'll play it all out and release things i'm yeah. sure that's a lot of discussion that they have to have of like without you know raining on another series parade or worrying about lessening mm-hmm. the impact of another series by releasing them. So I'm sure they have a lot of really strategy stuff going on. Oh yeah. They probably are. Uh, they probably are strategizing how to release these, but as of this recording or next season two, episode one will premiere this week on Paramount plus and Amazon prime video and crave. So if you are a big fan of Lord decks, I know I am. Um, Cause I'm looking forward to laughing again with star Trek. Yeah. It'll be definitely, uh, seeing like that, we'll see the first episode this week on August 12th, which is where we're recording it is the 9th, I believe. Yep, the 8th, excuse me. Yeah. October, August 8th. So, yeah, so about four days from now, we'll have Lower Decks again, and then Prodigy, then Discovery, then Keep Picard, on going. Keep on going. Keep on trekking. Yeah, but I think probably probably like maybe like a week or two break between two between yeah. them. Who knows? Um, but definitely, if that happens, definitely, then Discovery will premiere in 2022 instead of 2021. Yeah. So, but that's okay. I mean, granted, if we can have like have like a week or two space between them, that's fine with me. But that's okay if it don't. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I'll but watch it regardless. I'll watch it regardless, folks. You know, and that's pretty much what we'll be talking about next time. Will be yeah. Like the lower decks episodes and probably mm-hmm. spacing them out. So, okay. So, until next time, take care and live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.